things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith, coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as I love to do. You want to find me? Check out where podcasts are, wherever they are. You'll find No Mercy. Got a lot on my mind today because Dave Chappelle, who I believe to be the greatest comedian alive today, hosted Saturday Night Live, gave his opening monologue. And is on the and it has a lot of people talking about how he you know he should be canceled because of the things that he said. He talked about Kanye West. He talked about Kyrie Irving. He talked about an abundance of Jews being in Hollywood. He talked about former President Trump, former President of the United States Donald Trump. I saw an audience in absolute hysterics. I found it brilliant and comedic genius. Most people did so as well. The ratings certainly said so. But the Anti-Defamation League had a different take on it. Their take was that they were offended by what they saw Dave Chappelle do. The CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, a day later, just Sunday, criticized Dave Chappelle following the opening monologue that he delivered on Saturday Night Live. Jonathan Greenblatt is his name, tweeted, quote, we shouldn't expect Dave Chappelle to serve as society's moral compass, but also added it was, quote unquote, disturbing for Saturday Night Live to, quote, not just normalize, but popularize anti-Semitism. Why are Jewish sensitivities denied or diminished at almost every turn, Greenblatt wrote on his personal Twitter account. Why does our trauma trigger applause? That is what he said. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not here to disagree with Jonathan Greenblatt. For one reason above all else, I am not Jewish. I have said on many occasions As a black man, I don't want somebody telling me what black people should be offended by that ain't black. If you ain't black, you don't get to tell us what we should be offended by and what we shouldn't be. Well, the same applies to the Jewish community. If you're not Jewish, you shouldn't be able to tell them what they should and should not be offended by. Jonathan Greenblatt, if he's listening somewhere, I would love for you to come on this show, this podcast, so my audience can hear you. I would love for you to be specific in explaining what should be deemed anti-Semitic and why. So we'll all know that way, if somebody 
would have had the temerity and the unmitigated goal to be offensive to the Jewish community in the future, you'll have a pretty damn good idea that it was intentional. Because they've been educated. They know better and they did it anyway. That is not what I got from Dave Chappelle. This is just my two cents. I'll preface my comments by saying and reminding my audience, I'm not a Muslim. I'm not an Israelite who believes that I'm the original black Jewish person. I'm the original Jewish person. I don't have those beliefs. I'm a Christian. I'm not here to question or challenge anybody's belief or faith. I want that to be clear. That's not who I am. But I know that when I was watching TV on Saturday night and I saw that opening monologue by Dave Chappelle, I laughed and I laughed and I laughed because I thought he was funny as hell. When he was talking about Kanye West and he said he's going to go Def Con 3 on the Jews. And then he went to sleep. I thought that line was funny. When he sat up there and said, I'm sitting up there all night. What is he going to do? I thought that was funny. When he sat up there and came back by acknowledging that he's not crazy. I just think he's got a problem. I don't think that was his word, if I remember correctly. It was something along those lines. And then the crowd looked at him because he had a straight face. When he went into how black folks are not at fault for transgressions that have been exacted against the black community, that wasn't a funny moment, but it was, appreciate, it was appreciated. Because as I will remind any Jewish person I know, most black folks I've ever run across have nothing but admiration for the Jewish community. Because as a black man, when we look in our community and when we see the division, it's not to say that it doesn't exist in your community. We don't know. But when we see the division in our, in our community, when we see the divide, when we see the violence, when we see so many things that serve to fragment us as a community, I know a lot of black folks that look at the Jewish community with admiration. I remember one time I had a colleague, which I said on Chris Cuomo's show Monday night on News Nation, I had a colleague who happened to be Jewish that said it was offensive to think like that. I was like, how in God's name is that offensive? He said, because it implies that the Jewish community sticks together and is always together, no matter what. He said, we find that racist because that's simply not true. I had no idea. Not a clue. From that day forward, I stopped thinking that way. I stopped expressing it. But it was because of the education that he provided to me that enabled me not to think something I thought was complimentary to the Jewish community. That they are together, that they do support one another, that they do uplift one another in their community. I actually thought that was a compliment. 
I had no idea that it would be thought to be otherwise. And that's what brings us to Dave Chappelle. Kanye West. Kyrie. I saw a comedic genius Saturday night trying to make people laugh. I did not see a politician that legislates and enforces policies in the United States of America. I didn't, I didn't see an elected official. I didn't see the CEO of a Fortune 500 company that's only hiring one segment of a population while ostracizing others. I didn't see all of these things. I didn't see it. I saw a comedic genius there doing what he was hired to do, make people laugh. Now, if he did it wrong, here's the question. Does intent matter? I think it does. Especially if he's not knowledgeable of Jewish history to such a degree that he may have had no idea that he was being offensive. Oh, by the way, if he sits up there and prefaces comments by saying, I don't want to upset anybody, but there's a lot of Jewish folks in Hollywood, like a lot. Here's another question. Is it offensive Is it if, if, if it's factual? Just a question. And if so, why? See, Kyrie doesn't have a leg to stand on because you put a tweet you put a link to a movie on your Twitter page, rather. And the link was a movie questioning the legitimacy of the Holocaust and celebrating Adolf Hitler in some way. Oh, hell no. There's no excuse for that. And the reluctance, the luck, the reluctance and the apprehension in issuing an immediate apology is further unacceptable. You can move on from it once the suspension comes down and he's been given his comeuppance because guess what? You are wrong and we're going to challenge you on that. But it was still foolhardy. Kanye West is another level because Kanye said, I'm going DEFCON on the Jews. That intimated confrontation one would argue potential violence. So anything you say thereafter is not going to be inhaled and absorbed as complimentary. How can you possibly lump Dave Chappelle into the same category? I don't get that. I don't. Now one could easily argue it's not for me to get. Because I'm not a member of the Jewish community. Jonathan Greenblatt is. He's the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League. And if he believes it was anti-Semitic and he has a large portion of the Jewish community marching lockstep with him and his thinking as to it being anti-Semitic, then guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It's anti-Semitic. But did Dave Chappelle know that? Did he intend that? Did the people on Saturday Night Live mean for that to be the interpretation that was received? 
It is their show. It was on NBC. Was that their intent? I don't think we can say that's true. So if that wasn't Saturday Night Live's intent, if that wasn't NBC Network Television's intent, and we're willing to accept that, why would we surmise it was Dave Chappelle's intent? These are just questions. We have no choice but to ask them. Because if we're going to get in a better place, ladies and gentlemen, we have to have these hard discussions about what's offensive and what is not. Why is it offensive? What kind of history lesson do we truly, truly need to learn? And is your position, Jonathan Greenblatt, consistent with the entire Jewish community? I'm a black man. I'm not going to tell you that there's no black man or black woman alive that can hear the N-word spewed at them by someone outside of the black community and they have no problem with it. There's nothing offensive. Here's what I would tell you. I've never met that black person. I've never met that black person. That's what I can tell you. And for me, that matters. Intent matters. And your position also matters. Because as a comedian, you're attempting to make people laugh. Have a good time. The intent rings true. To me, what about you? Something to think about as we pause and take a deep breath for a second. Right here on No Mercy with Stephen A. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? I think that we have a good moment here, though, uh, because I believe that this country in the main is live and let live. Uh, mm-hmm. It is not a bigoted place. It's not a place that tolerates prejudice well. Um, but it doesn't like to be told what to think either. Now, this is partly my fault, because as a member of the media, we empowered minority voices, not uh, minority African-American, you know, minority ethnic. Sure. I'm saying the uh, smallest group of thinkers on Twitter, we empowered them as Vox Populi, the voice of the people. Mm-hmm. And in that way, we turbocharged this cottage industry of fringe talkers uh, that now have all this power in our political dialogue, which is why the majority had stepped back in the first place, because they're like, I don't know what these people are talking about. These are a bunch of crazies. Um, But Mm -hmm. now it's shifting back. And I do think this adjustment's important. I think it's important that, as you suggest, you go case by case. Kanye is not Kyrie. Okay, yeah, they both have a cuss sound at the beginning of their names and they're black guys, but they're both famous. But they weren't saying the same kinds of things for the same kinds of reasons. And I think you got to go case by case and you got to let things be said and show that they're wrong. Because I believe that people want to get to a better place. I really believe that I'm seeing that. And you say you hear the same thing in the response to the podcast. 
Yes, without question. There's no doubt about that. A lot of people say that and they should feel that way. But we also have to take into account how it got to a point. See, when you are subjected or you're at the mercy of a society where corruption rakes through our society and culture, as it has for so many years, where you've had politicians lying to us, you've had folks in corporate America lying to us, you've had the little man per se being abused to to some degree. And then all of a sudden they got a voice and it's a voice that disseminates to the masses and it reaches millions upon millions of people. Yeah, there's a level of empowerment and a comeuppance that they believe the system deserves. And so because of that, you've got that level of friction. But by and large, what you're saying is absolutely correct. Most of us are about civility. Most of us are about getting along, understanding and respecting one another's differences, understanding the importance of respect and decency and making sure that we operate that way. That's one of the reasons why this election, these midterm elections, was so important. Because when people went to the polls, no matter who won or lost, Chris, guess what happened? We weren't talking about stuff being rigged. We weren't seeing violence in the streets. Right. We weren't hearing people talking about America in such a, a, a divisive way. We saw an election take place and ultimately the American people spoke. And when you have that, it's a reminder that no matter how far we appear to have slid, in the end, far more people than not are God-fearing, decent, civilized human beings that just want peace and happiness in their life. And when you find that that's common ground exists out there, we're on the right path again. So I'm happy about that. That was Chris Cuomo and myself on his new show, Cuomo on News Nation. He's kind enough to invite me on to talk about Kanye, Kyrie, and of course, primarily Dave Chappelle's opening monologue performance on Saturday Night Live this past weekend. There has to be a discussion. I'll tell you why. My producers reminded me that when Chris Rock years ago used the N-word and he talked about how I love black people, but I hate, he said the N-word. Talk about how every time black folks got something positive going on, N-word, F's it up. That's what he said. You know what else Chris Rock said? It was the only time he ever told that joke. And every black person I ran across thought that was comedic genius. But he said it was the only time he ever told that joke because racist white folks used that soliloquy he went on to justify using the N-word themselves. It's what he said. And he never told the joke again. Remember Michael Richards? Michael Richards used to star on Seinfeld. He'd always come sliding in Jerry Seinfeld's apartment. Remember what he did in 2006? He was upset that while he was on stage performing, This is in November of 2006. While he was on stage performing, black folks were in the audience talking. And because he didn't like the fact that they were talking during one of his performances, he went at them. And when he went at them, I mean, it was vicious. He was 57 years old at the time. This is what he said to an African-American that was sitting in the audience. He said, 50 years ago, we'd have you upside down with an effing fork up your ass. 
then told club security, throw his ass out. He's an N-word. He's an N-word. He's an N-word. An N-word. Look, there's an N-word. That's what he said. Anything funny about that? I can assure you there's not a black person alive I know that would have found that funny. But it happened. What's the difference? A, nobody was laughing. B, everybody found that universally offensive. There was no ambiguity involved. There was nothing subject to interpretation. It was clear what his intent was. And it was unacceptable. So I had a Rainbow Coalition and the National Action Network and others got involved. They weren't having that. Today, it's the Anti-Defamation League. But where is the glaring, definitive, undeniable offense? It's a legitimate question. I'm not saying I'm asking it. I'm saying if you're the Anti-Defamation League, that's what somebody's going to want as your answer, as an answer to. Because even Chris Cuomo said he didn't like what Dave Chappelle had to say because he went on to explain the history of Jewish folks in Hollywood, how they got there, how they were compelled to be there, etc. My retort to Chris Cuomo was. I'm in my 50s. I never knew that. I didn't know. It's entirely possible that there are plenty of people outside of the Jewish community who do not know. You see, it gets a little tricky. And I'm looking at my executive producer when I say this. Because sometimes I'll challenge his name is Rashawn. He's crazy. I love him, though. But I'll challenge him on this too. They don't know, Stephen A, they, Stephen A, Stephen A, they don't know. You mean they don't know? And I'd say to him, how many times do you lament the fact that we don't know our own history? If we don't know enough minute details about our own history, how is it not plausible that we don't know someone else's history? I mean, I know people who have heard about the Holocaust and don't know what it entails. They don't know how many lives were lost. They don't know about Auschwitz. They don't know about an abundance of things pertinent to the Jewish community. Where folks from the Jewish, some folks from the Jewish community may know a chapter and verse. There are Jewish folks who've walked up to me and they've talked to me about things pertinent to the black community and had no clue that they were being offensive. You know what I did? I took into consideration that their intent wasn't to be offensive. They just didn't know. So I alerted, to, I alerted them as to what would be deemed offensive so they wouldn't do it again. So what I'm monitoring when I see the Anti-Defamation League, for example, is, are you saying it was offensive? Dave Chappelle, let's talk to you and let you know that why that is so you don't do it again. 
or are you saying he should be canceled? And if you're saying he should be canceled, that leads us into a bigger discussion. Where the hell is the line? What can be comedic moving forward? What can be funny? What are we allowed to laugh at? Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, that's the world we're living in right now? We literally need to ask. What's safe to laugh about? Because the reality is we don't know anymore. See, some would say what I'm about to bring up has nothing to do with this conversation, including my producer in all likelihood, but I'm not listening to him on this one. Because see, he in Georgia. And I think it has everything to do with where I'm about to go. See, he in a state right now where, you know, they got a runoff taking place in about a month. Because Senator Raphael Warnock, who some people have been skeptical about, no doubt, but others have supported and voted for, is going up against a former football player by the name of Herschel Walker, who is on the record saying that, you see, America, the clean air, got mixed up with the dirty air over there in China, and that dirty air mixed with our clean air, and it contaminated us, and, 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 and it's got to go. That's what that man said. Amongst other things. Same dude that showed up and showed a fake badge. To tell folks, you know what, sure, I'm with the police. <laughs> Say we need more gas cars too, but that's a different subject for another day. Here's the deal, y'all. I only brought that up to make the point that this cancer culture, this insatiable appetite to get rid of people who make mistakes or who touch on sensibilities that some would deem they don't need to touch on, it's part of that woke culture. That's the relevancy of me bringing up a Herschel Walker, somebody politics, because I'm talking about the midterm elections and I'm talking about a governor, Ron DeSantis in Florida, that made sure he gave this fiery, fiery speech where the headline was, this is the state where woke culture has come to die. You have some people who feel we've taken it too far. We're too overtly Overly sensitive. We can't say or do anything anymore. I don't know. That's not what Stephen A is saying, y'all. To me, that's not pertinent to this subject because if the Jewish community finds something to be offensive and anti-Semitic, that is what matters. That does not mean that does not mean they are part of the woke culture because they would have been offended by this years ago, just like they're offended by it now. But please understand there are some people who are going to feel that way. And are going to label them as a part of the woke culture because of something like this. If you're talking about Dave Chappelle's career being erased or ended because of his opening monologue on Saturday Night Live. And then what you're going to have are black people who are going to come to his defense, not only talking about how funny it was, or even white people coming to his defense, not only talking about how funny it was, but they're also going to say, excuse me, it was at Saturday Night Live. It was on network television, which was NBC. Why him and not them? 
Why Kyrie and not Jeff Bezos and Amazon? You're going to have people saying that and they're going to lump all of this stuff in. That's why I don't side with that and I side with Chris Cuomo. When Chris Cuomo simply said, let's have a discussion. Let's not just get rid of somebody that doesn't eradicate the problem. Let's educate one another. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about it. Highlight its elements. Make sure to display that for the world to see that we're addressing this matter, why we're addressing this matter, what needs to be corrected, what might not necessarily need to be prioritized for correction. Isn't that how we make the world a better place? Last time I checked, it is. I don't support anti-Semitism of any kind. But I also don't support somebody trying to convince me that Dave Chappelle's intent was to be insensitive or anti-Semitic. I think Dave Chappelle was being the comedic genius that he is, pointing out what some people may think and feel and why and trying to make us laugh along the way. That's what I think Dave Chappelle was doing. And in the process of all of that, somebody listening can peel a sentence here, a phrase there, a paragraph there, and say, we find that very offensive. That doesn't make them wrong about what transpired. But it may possibly make them wrong about what the intent was. And if the intent was not to be harmful, why can't a simple correction do? That's what I think. That's how I feel. I'll close out the show with a closing comment in a minute. You're listening to Stephen A. on No Mercy. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? I love comedy. I want people to make all of us laugh, even at ourselves. If the Jewish community is going to tell me something is anti-Semitic, I'm all ears, and I roll with them. Just don't tell me that I should be upset that you said, why do y'all dress like DM, uh, run DMC? That was funny. That was funny. Because how you dress, is a part of things sometimes. Nobody's immune. Nobody is safe. My belief is this. When communities are being isolated and ostracized and treated in a fashion different than anybody else, I'm all ears. Of course, I'm against violence of any kind. Of course, you don't want to denigrate, marginalize, and insult other people. Fair enough. But when folks are cracking jokes and they're cracking jokes about Jewish folks one second, black folks the next, the Asian community the next, Latinos the next, whites the next, nobody's safe. I thought that came with comedy. Has that changed too? 
Do we have to be worried about that too? Damn. Because now, guess what's next, y'all? Are y'all ready for this? If you're going to hold the comedian accountable, what about the people in the audience? Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock are scheduled to perform with one another next month from, when I from what I'm told. If Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock are telling jokes and I'm sitting in the audience laughing, am I in trouble? Because it was funny? Where's the line? It's almost like inflation is a bad thing. The recession is coming. Jobs are going to be lost. Amazon's talking about 10,000 employees may lose their job. Who knows who else is coming down the pike with lost jobs. So guess what? Since people are losing their jobs anyway, the hell with it. Nobody's going to be safe. And if we can use that as a means to strip other people of potential employment, so be it. One may not have anything to do with the other, but damn it, it's all suspicious right now. Because we keep finding a reason to ostracize folks. And on a personal level, make no mistake about it, I wake up every day feeling I'm next. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on live television 10 hours a week, minimum, live. No seven-second delay, no tape delay, no anything. The only thing that I've ever taped is this podcast. Everything else is live. I slip up, I'm toast. You think people don't know that, which is why they try to get at me in the ways that they do on social media or beyond? I don't know if I ever told my team this story. I had a personal tragedy happen to me in San Antonio, Texas. The Spurs were playing the Detroit Pistons, I believe the year was 2005. And... I got some information about a death in my family and I was incredibly distraught. And Rashawn will appreciate this when I tell him this. Terry and Michael and Sherry and, and all you guys, it, Greg, you'll appreciate the story when I'm telling you this. Because it, it really forced me to grow up. True story. I had a death in the family and I found out two minutes before I was supposed to go on SportsCenter. Two minutes. I had to go on SportsCenter Live during the NBA Finals. Game five. I remember that part. And... The crowd was chanting, Stephen A sucks, Stephen A sucks, Stephen A sucks, because I didn't pick the Spurs to win that series. And when my segment was over, I turned around and gave them the finger. The whole crowd standing behind me. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that moment changed my life and my career. Do you know why? They literally, literally jumped up and cheered. Ah, we got him! Because they got me to give them the finger. The president of ESPN was standing five feet away. His name was George Bodenheimer. One of the greatest men I've ever known. A good man who I loved dearly. Who was always good to me. It was a fireable offense, ladies and gentlemen. You can't do that. But George Bodenheimer knew what happened. He knew what I had gone through and knew that I had just been on SportsCenter Live. And he wrapped his arms around me. He said, Stephen, go home. Go home and be with your family. We'll be here when you finish. We'll handle the rest of the finals coming from, going from here. Because it was two games left after that. He didn't have to do that. He was kind. He was thoughtful. He was sensitive. And he knew my intent. I was caught up in my moment because of the tragedy I had just gotten news about, which he knew the crowd didn't know. So even though it was wrong for me to react to the crowd that way, something I've never done before or since, in that moment, he knew. He understood and my intent came into play and saved my job. Intent matters. Reputation matters. Your history matters. Now more than ever today, it certainly does. We're just seeing something different. Back in the day, it was a foregone conclusion that the benefit of the doubt would come your way. In this day and age, folks don't care. They're trying to eliminate your resume, your reputation, your credibility with one mistake. I don't know whether Dave Chappelle was that person or not. Here's what I do know about the Anti-Defamation League. It's safe to say you're, pretty, you're a pretty good expert at what's anti-Semitic. You're a pretty good expert at measuring intent. Take that into consideration before you continue to speak on Dave Chappelle. I don't think you'll find a person that meant to insult anybody. I think you'll find a person that was trying to make you laugh. And if we need nothing else in this day and age, we need more laughter. That's it for this version of No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. Thank you for spending time with me. Love the fact that y'all chimed in to listen to this podcast. Nothing but love for y'all. Appreciate the support and everything that comes with it. Yes, I'm doing sports, but as I always say, you don't have to know sports to know mercy. And if that ever applied, 
before. It certainly does today. Peace and love, everybody. Until next time, I'm out. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts. Guess who's got a memoir coming out, ladies and gentlemen? Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. It's entitled Straight Shooter, and it's available right now for pre-order. I have signed these books, just so you know. So you can visit straightshooterbook.com to order your autographed copy today. In the book, I talk about my life before ESPN, growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, how sports proved to be my salvation. I talk about some of the mistakes I've made in my life and my impact on the world of sports. The book is called Straight Shooter, and it's written to help motivate you to overcome setbacks that maybe prevent you from reaching your dreams. So go right now and order your autographed copy of my memoir, straightshooterbook.com. Don't wait. It's entitled Straight Shooter. Check it out. Don't miss it.